0: Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. Later in the programme, I'll be talking with Carmen Yao, a master's student in social work who is also a community advocate for people with disabilities. Carmen was recently on the programme talking about her Shanghainese grandfather who ran a clothing factory in Kowloon. She'll be talking later about her other grandfather, a master in I Ching. But first, Cantonese opera is a key part of local culture. But how do you make it relevant to children? Often the operas from centuries past have themes of war, concubines, doomed romances, the imperial court and ghosts. Stella Mar of the Cha Chang Children's Cantonese Opera Association, has appeared on Hong Kong Heritage in past years and has just written her fifth children's opera, a fun caper of hens and an eagle, with plenty of dancing, drum-banging and sword-fighting to keep every housing estate kiddie entertained, but the plotline is about how children are always on their mobile phones playing games and have forgotten how to respect and care for their families. So Stella brings aspects of Chinese traditions and culture into a modern fun tale. The opera will be staged on October the tenth at the Sunbeam Theatre in North Point, itself a great piece of Hong Kong heritage. And she'd love you to come along. It's in Cantonese, but even for non-Cantonese speakers, there's plenty of music action going on. I'll I'll give details about how to get tickets at the end of this segment. I headed over to Chaiwan to join Stella and the children at a rehearsal. the rehearsal's been going it's been doing um going well
1: and uh, i i have to say that the children um really pay much attention and they have they are paying all their efforts during the summer holiday we have been rehearsing for the for the entire month of august and uh, they never skip one session and uh, it's a new script so they've got nothing to imitate to learn from and it's all brand new and then they're catching up very fast now next door we can hear um some of the kids are practicing and mm. so they were out with their swords oh yeah it's, um, it's a, a self-arranged session because um, we've got some slower ones and the um, older ones volunteer them, themselves to come back uh, one hour early to help the, the slower ones the smaller ones to practice so that saves a lot of our efforts
0: It's super, yeah, actually seeing these kids because they're there in their sort of bright red trousers and yellow Mm. T-shirts and um, they are enjoying themselves. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. (laughs) Many of them start
1: from um, kindergarten all the way until primary six when they have to go. Because of the limitation of all the resources, we have to stop the classes by primary six.
0: So many of them are our good friends for six, seven, eight years So they're getting ready for a production that will take place at the Sunbeam Theatre on the 10th of October. Yes.
1: We are performing um, in October and the production is called Master Z Go. The story starts with three children who are addicted to electronic games, ignoring everything happening around them. They play a traditional Chinese game related to the, uh, the journey to the West. And they already reached the highest level, then break through from the phone and go direct to the heavenly world and have have a real fight with the heavenly soldiers.
0: So these children are playing on their electronic games and then one of the games becomes real? Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, Because um, (laughs) um, we want
1: to relate the story to the children's daily life. Uh, Because what happens around us is that many children are addicted to their electronic games, ignoring many things happening around them not focusing on their family life not on the homework so uh, we want to have that part in our story of course it's the traditional Cantonese opera performance.
2: My name is Ben Lau I'm a, I'm a father of uh, Eunice Lau Okay, who uh, is the student of uh, Chadok Chang? We studied here for about a month. She practiced her, her Chinese opera since K2, and uh, right now she's going to uh, P1.
0: Why do you put the emphasis on Chinese opera? What appeals about it, Cantonese opera to you?
2: Well, because we are Chinese. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, see, uh, in Hong Kong, we have a kind of a mixture of languages or dialects. Okay, so I want her to, you know, uh, pronounce uh, the correct or uh, articulate the most accurate uh, Cantonese. Since myself, I do not articulate w- very well. So I want her to be, you know, not like me. <laughs> and when she studied the uh, Chinese opera, I think she can uh, pronounce very well in
0: Cantonese. And do you yourself, I mean, when you were growing up, did you listen to Cantonese opera?
2: I did read those Chinese operas, but uh, I never sing, because I sing very bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's also, I mean, for your, uh, for the children who come here, it's great exercise, isn't
2: it? It is. It is very great exercise, not just physically, but also mentally. Because, yeah, uh, you know, so you have time to think about the, the, the uh, contents of the operas, but not the games. So, you know, it's very good spiritual exercise to me, you know, or to her.
0: And uh, how old is Eunice?
2: Uh, Eunice, six and a half.
0: And uh, you're looking forward to the performance, because I understand it's going to be at the Sunbeam Theatre.
2: Right. Uh, She's so going to be a super performance, a hen, okay, the mother of those chickens, okay, she so, uh, trying to protect them. Uh, it's just a game. The game, name of the game is called The Eagle Catch the uh, Chickens. <laughs> Okay, whoever being catch uh, will become the eagle, ah. okay, and uh, to catch some uh, someone else. Okay, so is it, so? It's, the idea is to
0: modernize
2: Cantonese opera, uh, or yes, just
0: to
2: turn yes. it into fun? Or? It's, it just turns into fun, not, not just uh, the, the, uh, the traditional opera. If it's traditional opera, it's more, you know, deep into it. I don't think the kids will understand. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, good luck with all the the rehearsals and uh, enjoy the performance.
2: Oh well, <laughs> we love to see them. You know, uh, see them perform very well in you know, on the stage.
0: Cantonese opera, of course, can be very very traditional. These stories of princesses mm-hmm. and emperors mm-hmm. and generals, mm-hmm. war ghosts, concubines yeah. but with this, this brings this into the children's everyday life that is the
1: main objective of our production we want to bring in the life of the modern day children to the traditional Chinese opera or Cantonese opera setting and uh, our theme song is called A Good Child and uh, that's a line saying we offer our parents a cup of tea every evening and that's the homework for the children during the summer holiday <laughs> and they actually do it And we want them to form a habit. We're starting a good habit with them and hope that they can go on and on until they get into their adulthood.
0: So the idea is to get them off a little bit off the electronic games and back to basics? Yeah. And what is the basics?
1: Because uh, many local Chinese people are not familiar with what is basic, and that is Chinese culture. I want to have a seed of Chinese culture uh, in their heart.
0: But Uh, when you say Chinese culture, you mean more... Traditional Chinese culture, not Communist Party culture?
1: Oh, no, 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 it's no, no, nothing related to uh, um, politics, any parties. Um, actually, we want to have, for, we, want the, we want the children to have some traditional Chinese values with them when they grow up.
0: I think it's very exciting that you're going to be in the Sunbeam Theatre because that goes right back to the roots of. Chinese opera in Hong Kong. It's a good chance
1: for the children to feel more about traditional Cantonese opera. And um, all the years we've been working on the two different elements, traditional and young. Sunbeam Theatre is a traditional Cantonese opera uh, performance venue. Uh, And the actors are the young actors. We want to put uh, put them into the setting of something being traditional, like not only the venue and like uh, what we are doing, um, like this production, it is a Cantonese opera production. But we are adopting modern daily life story into the Cantonese opera. So we start with the children's daily life that they are playing with the electronic games, okay. and then. They got something wrong and they got sent back to um, the ancient time. And then, starting from um, at one, we go back to the Cantonese opera setting. And that is to relate their daily lives to our production, to something being traditional, something being old. Um, like the story of this production, we want to bring the children back to the ancient time to learn from something which is missing from our daily life nowadays and those something might be the very traditional Chinese values uh, like our respect for our family like our contribution to the society which seems to be um, seemingly missing out in our daily life we are requesting a lot more from our society rather than thinking what we can contribute to our society we are asking for a lot from our parents, grandparents, rather than thinking what we can do for them. So I want them to be a bit more disciplined. And this time we have 60 children all performing on the stage, no adult on the stage, and they have to manage themselves.
0: Um, And so what's the age range?
1: um, The average is 7.75, ranging from 4 to 11. So that's quite demanding. Yes, very. So they've, they have been sweating throughout the summer holidays and uh, coming back every day from 10 to 6, uh, rehearsing. The 10th of October is actually a Monday. Yeah, it is a Monday and a public holiday uh, uh, of the Chongyun Festival. So what's that? The Chongyun Festival is a time when we pay respect to our ancestors. We go to sweep their graves, pay respect... And that is good because um, we also want our children to be respectful. <coughs>
0: created this opera yourself
1: yeah this is my fifth production
0: now you've been um i mean this is as you say your fifth production you also have done uh children's cantonese operas in english oh yeah i have have got one in english and um
1: that's called breaking the red lantern i'm talking about um a prince and princess getting into a conflict and they got mad with each other. Um, of course, uh, finally, they uh, resolved the re- relationship and got good again. Well, there's a story about a family relationship. Uh, having the princess being the daughter of the, of the emperor. And uh, they, she is something high up um, in the imperial court. While her husband, the prince is the subordinate of her father the
0: production that's on on the 10th of october at what time at the sunbeam theater 7 30 in the evening so in one evening. one performance yeah one performance and it lasts for about two hours in terms of, you said you've got 60 youngsters who are going to be involved, age, uh, ranging in age from age 4 to 11, that will be part of this production. Mm-hmm. Master C, go! Um, so, uh, in terms of Cantonese opera generally, I mean, are you... I mean, the children are enthused, they're getting... I mean, as, as we've heard from Ben Lau, I mean, you know, he's thrilled that Eunice is, is learning to pronounce... Cantonese better than he does Um, also plenty of exercise and fun making new friends is Cantonese opera being revived in uh, Hong Kong or is there still an issue of really trying to maintain this tradition versus all the other pressures that come on Hong Kong children
1: I would say reviving Okay, Uh, because uh, the government is now having a lot of resources on Cantonese opera, on promoting Cantonese opera, and there are many more people getting involved. And uh, what's more important is that um, it's got into the syllabus of our primary, secondary um, uh, textbooks, uh, which is good. And there are many
0: young actors
1: now on the stage. It's easier for the young to influence the young.
0: Basically, it's, it's impressing your peers with it rather than it coming from adults.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yes, so, I believe uh, we, we've, we've got a good prospect for Cantonese opera. I'm not, I'm not worried that it's dying out or what. But I think we need new scripts, uh, a lot more relate, relating to our daily lives. I want the audience to feel their life from our stage so that we can have the feedback from them.
0: My thanks to Stella Ma and the performers of the Cha Duk Chang Children's Cantonese Opera Association. If you'd like to attend the performance at the Sunbeam Theatre on October the 10th, please call the association on the number 34884595. That's 34884595 or you can also buy tickets directly from the Sunbeam Theatre in North Point. Carmen Yao has recently been researching both her grandfathers. Her mother's father we heard about a few weeks ago, a Shanghainese cloth merchant who ran a clothing factory in Kowloon. This week she talks about her other grandfather, a master of I Ching, an ancient classic, the Book of Changes, an oracle used for 5,000
3: years to aid in decision-making and predicting the future. Well, every time when I'm... I love sharing stories about my grandfathers. I mean, both Gong Gong and Ye Ye, because they are really two very different families. My Gong Gong is a very modern fashion person who wears suits with a very nice haircut. But my Ye Ye is a very traditional Chinese person who wears Sam, So it's totally two different styles. It's
0: a very Chinese dress.
3: Yes, he wears Sam and my Gonggong wears suits. So it's really a very you know big c- comparison between them. So for my Ge because uh he's um he's a scholar, I usually call him a scholar. He's an artist. He, um, the reason why is because uh, he spent a lot of time studying Tao in Yijing. So, in my family, we do a lot of studies in I Ching. Traditionally, in Chinese, you know, the old country and the old world, I Ching is like a, well, I, I hate to say that in that way, that people usually follow I Ching, the calculation to, you know, they come up with how, what their name should be, when they should get ready, and when the funeral started, how you, when you start farming, and what you do, whatever. They they calculate everything with I Ching. So sometimes, nowadays, people think it's very superstitious, but in my grandfather's understanding, eating is not superstitious; it's a calculation in in Chinese culture. I mean, it is a it combined it with science, agriculture, um, astronomy, and you know culture and even daily living. Because as we all know that in the old days, China or in Chinese uh, world is is more related to in agriculture. So a lot of people doesn't know any words, they don't read, they don't write anything. They spend most of their time in farming. So that's why in I Ching, it's a a way of guide of how they, when they do um, farming, or even their kids get birthed, I mean, new kids or babies, they come up with names. They also ask I Ching master to, to give them suggestions on what their names should be. So that's why I Ching in the Chinese world was very, it's the, it's the cornerstone of everything. In my grandfather, his name is called Yao Chi Joy it sounds to you maybe a bit legendary but it really runs in that way that So, but i mean I, I think it's so interesting you know as you
0: say on the one side you've got this grandfather who comes down from near Shai- shanghai sells cloth has 11 children you know and on the other side you've got this uh, was he very spiritual this man who dressed in long chinese robes
3: well, he's very, you know, he's le- very legendary in, in in my understanding because he's not stupiditious but he is a very smart guy, and he's sometimes he's not fortune telling, but he's he comes up with very good guys and very good suggestion and very um, inspiring thing, ideas to come up to teach their children and to raise their grandchildren as well. Because um, the I Ching knowledge has come along with a lot of generation in our Yao's family. So every generation, they usually pick one of the kids to inherit the knowledge of Yao's I Ching. Do you follow I Ching yourself now? Unfortunately, no, because... Um, actually my grandfather passed away quite early so before i was 10 years old so i don't have that opportunity to learn a lot from him but um but i somehow is that that's the thing that i think is really funny is um what he taught his children can still apply in in my father's education, and my father used my grandfather's way to educate me. So that's why we have very strong connection, even he passed away many years. But I still understand the culture, the philosophy, the knowledge about those sort of things. For example, um, in Chinese recall the four arts in Chinese, it's called the art playing. The art playing the is like a musical instrument. With about five or seven hour, that they will play the music. So, and what this is one of so a string th- instrument. Yes, so it's one of them. And we have chess, we have calligraphy and drawing. So we call it the four arts in Chinese. In the old days, people should learn four arts or six arts. This is the main subjects that you know kids should learn. In my grandfather's eye. He selected different arts for each of his sons and daughter. For example, my father, he specified in training him with calligraphy. And one of my young uncle, and he spent a lot of time teaching him with drawing. Because um, from his perspective, learning all these kind of arts can, you know, build up the peasant character and to learn more about traditional Chinese. So my, my grandfather taught my father about calligraphy, and when I'm growing up, my father taught me calligraphy mm. as well. So we, we, that's the, you know, that's the connection from between all of us. So how did your grandfather
0: end up becoming a specialist in this area, making it his career um, more than a career, really? It was his vocation. It, it, you know, was that something from his childhood?
3: Well, because the I Ching study and the scholar started in the family chain. So every generation, there was one children who will be, you know, selected to inherit all this sort of knowledge and things. So my grandfather was selected by his grandfather. So that means it's my great-grandfather selected him. So he was... Uh, selected when he was three years old. So his grandfather picked him when he was three years old. So, and where was this? Was this in Hong Kong or in, on the mainland? In mainland. In mainland. So, in Dongkun, Guangdong area. At the beginning, he lived with his parents. So, my great grandfather's, I mean, his father was uh, running a tea shop, a tea house in Guangdong in a family. But because his grandfather picked him to be the one who inherited the Yi Ching, so he brought him home from the family. So he he was raised by the grandfather when he was three. So started from three years old, he started to learn more about Yi Ching, and he meets, makes friends with all the friends of his grandfather. So the friends of his grandfather, maybe they have different kind of expertise in maybe in calligraphy or in uh, painting or in drawing or different kind of specialists. And these people will teach my grandfather as he was the one who selected to inherit all this sort of knowledge. So that's why he started to learn a lot. Even he started from he was his kid. So at the
0: age of three, he's taken from his family to go and live with his grandfather and learn the ins and outs of i Ching, calligraphy, drawing, and to to absorb uh, all of these aspects of of Taoism.
3: Yeah, I think. But you know, when you know, one of the very interesting story about him is that when he was too young, about like thirteen to fourteen years old. His grandfather decided to send him away for a long journey to ask him to go tour around China and learn more from different people. So by himself at the age of 13? Yes, exactly. All by himself to travel somewhere without, uh, you know clear destination or where he should approach or where he should go now your grandfather would
0: later come to hong kong just before the second world war so when he was 13
3: and he was journeying around would have been about 20 years before that i think probably yes at that time the his parents were you know being very anxious about this because he was thinking well we run to." tea house we are you know we're not that poor why we have to you know he's the only son and why we have to you know give him such a big challenge to tour around china and you know it's it's just like a lost kid yeah so i mean at age of 13 he's he's set
0: off his grandfather has given him this enormous challenge so he would have been just what sleeping
3: outside or sleeping at at the kindness of people who housed him I don't have a a chance to know how his journey was, but as far as I know that this journey helped him to make a lot of different friends. He learned how he, how to make friends and to connect with different expertise and then practice his own I and to, you know, serve and to help each other's. Because as I mentioned, a lot of people rely on I Ching to come up with their names and, you know, their wedding date, when they move their house or even funerals. They rely on I as well. So, that's why my grandfather had a lot of opportunities to, you know, make some living along his journey. So just before World War Two, his grandfather called him home and suggested him to come to Hong Kong just before World War Two. Now, when you remember him, how are you perhaps honouring his memory? One of the things that I I always describe him as, he's a very adventurous person because in 1970s, in fact, he doesn't know any English. But he was there to put on his chengsam as a suitcase, and he flew all the way to San Francisco and started his own institution of I Ching and started to teach I Ching in San Francisco. But he doesn't know any word of you know English. I think it's, it's a very... You know, adventures and something that even I myself, I speak English, but I don't dare to do something like that. But he was there to do something like that because he thinks that we have a mission to to you know to spread and to share the the knowledge of I Ching and Chinese knowledge and wisdom to people around the world. I think he have a very big heart, you know, for people. So that's why when he passed away. He had written more than 300 scrolls about his I Ching knowledge. What he was trying to do is he wanted to tell the world that I Ching is not a religious thing. It's a a nice combination of science and mathematics, culture, history, everything was about, you know, as I mentioned, it's the cornerstone of everything in Chinese society. So he wants to prove to people to see that how, you know, I don't understand, but he can come up with the scroll that relating I Ching knowledge with, you know, uh, physics concepts imagine, he he's self-taught all the way by himself. I mean, he never go to school. He's home-educated, but he comes, he doesn't know any English, but he is self-taught to know so much things. So, that's why, after my father retired, so we have uh, tried to get it those so grow again and early of this year we have made an you know organized an exhibition and we publish a book about all his calligraphy of the knowledge of his aging. My thanks to Carmen
0: Yao, a master's student in social work, talking there about her grandfather. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage.